Father, touch our minds that we might understand. Touch our ears that our strangers' voice we won't hearken unto, but only the voice of the Father. Touch our hearts that we can receive, our hands that we can perform it, and our feet that we can walk it out. It's in Christ's name we pray. The saints said amen. Hey, all right now, baby. That's what I'm talking about. All the babies in the Lord is excited. And the ones that ain't don't have faith like children. All the babies excited. Taylor's so excited. She can't contain it. Y'all looking over here at her. You need to wish you had the Holy Ghost like her. All the Holy Spirit got to do is blow on her. And you can't say it's because we got them because we old and fuddy-duddy. No, nah, I had them at her age. You just young and stupid. You can't say you ain't called because that's why you're here. You're just young and stupid. You can't say you ain't passionate because that's why you get up getting so much sin. You just young and stupid. It's always something. It's always something. It's always something. It's always something. Because Satan ain't going to let you sit in it. Because too much introspection might cause change. He wants me to rush on and get you out of this uncomfortable spot and not make you think about yourself in your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. Now that Satan is, has subsided for a moment, we can continue. Amen. Look at your humble faces. They all humble and sweet now. Yup. Exactly. Exactly. Somebody got to get them up off you before you miss this sermon. All right. The last week of, the la of this year, the last sermon on Reformation. Oh, it's been a year. It's been a year. A year of reformation. Uh, that was reformation through uh, introspection. Uh-huh. What else we got? Reformation through inspiration. Reformation through intentionality. Reformation through the word of God. Reformation through giving. Reformation through support. Reformation through witness. Reformation through service. Reformation through conflict, reformation through mistakes, reformation through illness, reformation through blessings, reformation through maturity, reformation through training, reformation through prayer, reformation through faithfulness, reformation through fellowship, reformation through the blood of Christ, reformation through obedience, reformation through consequences, reformation through wisdom, reformation through passion, reformation through a broken heart, reformation through declaration, reformation through forgiveness, reformation through love, reformation through responsibility, reformation through, I think this is perseverance, yep, reformation through perseverance, reformation through endurance, Reformation through the Holy Spirit, reformation through truth, reformation through compassion, reformation through storms, reformation through habits, reformation through sacrifice, reformation through generations, reformation through 
attachments to people. That's probably a better way to do this, but anyway, reformation. Where was I? Attachments. Reformation through priorities, reformation through lack, reformation through change, reformation through awe, reformation through boundaries, reformation through family, reformation through bondage, reformation through anointing, reformation through worship, reformation through revival. It's a whole year of reformation. Let's pause for a second. Contemplate to what extent you have been reformed. A lot of bit, a little bit. Now, if you are in a similar state of mind as you've been in the past, that's a little bit of reformation. Now, the reason I say it that way is because sometimes y'all don't know y'all in the same cycle. Because you move from this point in your life to this point, you think there's been change. But you did the same thing the year before. Do you understand? So if where you're currently thinking and feeling is where you have thought and felt before, there's probably been no change. You just cycling through yet again. Just so we're clear. Because I try to tell you in advance, you did this before, you said this before, you felt this passionately before, and you look at me like I'm crazy. But it's the Satan that's got you thinking that this is all brand new. You've cried at this altar before. You said you wanted deliverance before. You said you wanted change before. You said I'm going to go to church before. You said I'm going to read my Bible before. You said I'm going to be more honest before. You said I'm going to start asking for help before. You said I'm going to work on that relationship before. All of this you've done before. Not for everybody in the house, just for some. And for the some that is hitting, good. Because Satan is going to ride you to hell with this cycle. Because you're so forgetful. Because of the desires of your heart that you forget you felt this before. So as your pastor watching over your soul, I could say, baby, you tried that path before. It did not work. Adjust this. Do this. And you'll try it again. It did not work. Adjust, do this. I done seen you try to walk off in that area 50 million times. There are people that make it to heaven doing that their entire lives, probably. No fruit. Just struggle. That's never been what he intended. He's a merciful God. You just hard-headed. He's kind. You're just stubborn. That's all it is. I'm going to prove it to you because you can stop putting that on my Lord. Not my Lord. Not my Lord. Before our end of the year message into the new year, and we set the theme for next year, later on tonight. <laughs> I want to start the year in this year with a concept that you should have started your life with. I was hoping that we'd have a ton of visitors today. 
A concept you should have started your life with, all right? That's what I want us to talk about today. I was hoping that a lot of visitors would be here because this message is evangelistic. So now I'm thinking, who in here ain't saved? <laughs> Anytime I get an evangelistic message and it's just my people here, I'll be like, so these ninjas ain't saved. <laughs> and y'all be like, Pastor, you think I ain't saved? I don't know. Ain't you as confused as me? So I'll be looking at this message going, where the visitors at? All my babies love the Lord. Mm. So let's end this year with where we should have started our life at, and that's reformation through faith. Reformation through faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11 and 1, I believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's another verse. Let's see. Um, resist Satan. Be firm in your faith. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Paul tells Timothy, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother. For God gave you a spirit of fear, not a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and self-control. Apparently, faith is a big deal. Um, and it was his faith that was accounted to him as righteousness, as Abraham, we're children of Abraham. As Gentiles, we are saved through faith. As the chosen, they are saved by faith. Faith is a huge deal. Out of all the other graces, it appears to be the most important one. It's the one grace that every other grace hangs on. When I say graces, I mean like forgiveness or patience or love. These are graces of God. Does that make sense? Things that he can render to us that makes living easier, right? They're called graces. Faith is the one grace that empowers all other graces. No other grace besides faith. I'm going to be quoting a lot from my, one of my favorite authors, uh, William Garnell. And he says, no other grace besides faith is so appropriately designed for the purpose of salvation. Why has God appointed the eye instead of the ear to see? The hand rather than the foot to take in food. It's because these members have a particular fitness for these functions. Faith has a particular fitness for salvation that no other grace is fitted for. I mean, in my opinion, if God is love, then it should be love. If you would make, if I had to come up with the most important grace, right? Yeah. Oh, God is love. Love is love. Everything is about love. Mm -mm. Love is only fueled by faith. Every grace, patience by faith, forgiveness by faith, humility by faith, right? Every other grace that God could give your soul to make living easier gets its power and supply by the grace of faith. I would think he would save me by love. You love somebody, you'd be a good person, you'd be nice to everybody, that means you can be saved. In my human mindset, that makes sense. That's how a lot of cultic religions get started. Right? Because they're man-made. A man-made religion says, 
what we see you do externally should be sufficient for your eternity. Because that's, that's man-made. All right? But God comes around, he says, I want you to display something not seen. I want you to believe in something not seen. And I want the thing that's not seen to generate seen things. Well, I could just be nice. Uh-uh. I want you to be nice with faith. What? See, and being nice is easy when you want to be nice. Y'all don't want to help me today. Being nice is easy. Any human can be nice when they want to be nice. Y'all don't want to help me. But it takes faith to be nice when you don't want to be nice. <laughs> so human religions say just be kind, love everybody, and I believe that's sufficient. You'll hear people talk about that all the time when they're spiritualness. Be a good person and that should be enough. And that makes sense for humans to derive that conclusion, scene for scene. But God says, mm, for my salvation, I'm going to use something that nobody could imitate. Faith can't be imitated because the trials and tribulations get so hard. Y'all don't want to help me today. The years span out so long that any human capability to withhold a belief under that pressure would automatically fail. Your willpower is not enough. You've seen that. I promise you, I ain't doing that. No more, no more. I am done with that. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Your willpower ain't enough. Your 10-step program ain't enough. At the end of the day, you will always fall short of the goal. The only way to endure in the same path without quitting is by faith. Something intrinsic. One of the things we're going to look at next year that is just mind-blowing to me <laughs> is you are flesh, right? A part of your being is flesh. It's tangible. Yeah. It's present. And no matter how creation, uh, evolutionists and certain scientists try to explain life, no one has been able to explain consciousness. Where did we get a desire for things that we cannot see. Because in all of creation, and all animals, they desire the things that they can see. I see food, I want food. I see water, I want water. I see a mate, I want a mate. Where do we get a desire for things that we cannot see and are not physical? Where did that come from? All humans have it. Certain animals with certain types of souls have it, yeah. but that's about it, and a lot of them don't. A lion, I love you, but I'm going to eat you. What? what? <laughs> I'm hungry. What do you want me to do? Uh, love me, not eat me? <laughs> I am not a human, you know? At the end of the day, that's the, the problem with the fear of pets like mine, like Roman, is that human beings don't know how they think, and so they're afraid at some moment their beastly mind is going to click and everything we've trained them to do is going to become undone because of their nature. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Right? And that's what we say about you too. Yeah. <laughs> that at some point, everything we've been trying to train you to do 
is going to become undone because of your nature that has never changed by faith, only by willpower. The only thing I could uh, give a soft hypothesis to is that there are too many people in my house that have been saved by willpower and not by faith. You've been saved by the idea that you should be a Christian, that this is right and this is wrong, right? But never truly by faith because your default passions and desires keep resurfacing, which means your nature has never changed and salvation means to be born again a new creature a new creation so your old nature cannot just resurface out of nowhere when you're saved that one is dead you got a new one that's why Paul says if you're sinning you ain't saved a Christian can't keep practicing sin He's saying it doesn't make sense because a Christian is born into a new creature, not just animalistic tendencies, but something intrinsic by faith that causes them to want something that may be bad for them physically, but good for them internally. And that that doesn't make no sense. Right? And so what the world tries to do is say, well, if you want it and it makes you happy here, then, then it's okay to have it. Yeah, that makes sense when you're only soul and flesh. But since God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, then you have to ask, what is my spirit wanting? You can't find it because you ain't got one. He has to become alive in Christ Jesus. And the soul and the spirit look very much so similar. Very much so. You could believe in God and not be regenerated. It's called enlightenment. You could know the truth and not be regenerated. You could read your Bible, believe that Jesus is Lord, Satan believe that too, and they're not going to heaven. And not be regenerated. A regenesis. A new birth. You, you try to put on uh, selflessness to combat your selfishness, but your nature hasn't changed. You try to put on patience to combat your aggravation and short temper, but your nature hasn't changed. You're struggling with stuff that a new creature doesn't struggle with. I don't struggle to walk because I've got legs. I might struggle to swim. And if you teach me how to swim, it's not going to be as easy as walking. So now we got fish out of water. And you're giving Christianity a bad name because everybody thinks that being a Christian is like how you're living it, a struggle. Y'all don't want to help me preach today. We're going to end the year the way we should have started it. You understand? It's not a struggle for me to be compassionate. It's not. It's not. People are like, oh, my God, Pastor, how you doing? I'm like, I do not know. I don't know. It's not like I can give you an equation. I just say the same stuff the Bible say. Well, I realize that I made mistakes too. And thus, they need to, they, and that's it. They be like, that worked? Mm-hmm. Why does it work for me? Because I've been regenerated. Yeah. Good. Good. Whereas you are struggling 
to put this on. Y'all don't want to help me to wear it. Do you understand? And it's heavy and it's cumbersome and you don't like having to be a Christian all the time. I have been tipsy and still been a Christian. I have even been more than tipsy. Lord forgive me. And still been a Christian. I wasn't trying to be gay. I wasn't trying to, you know, go out and have sex. I wasn't, I didn't forget who I was all of a sudden because I had to correct other sheep. Like, uh oh, put out all the, what are you doing? We are still Christian. No, that alcohol got you being your old nature real easy right in front of me. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. If you get tipsy or celebratory and we don't recognize you as a Christian, that is your real you. That's, that's been you. Like, I wouldn't have slept with him if it wasn't for the week. <clears throat> you wouldn't have told us you slept with him if it wasn't for the week. <laughs> Be honest, you always wanted to. Nature ain't changed. You just put on Christianity like a cloak. Then it get hot. I need to take some of this off. I mean, sometimes don't you just gotta like relax a little bit? I am relaxed. This feels normal to me. Does it not feel normal? No, it doesn't feel normal to me. Hmm. Interesting. We're in my house the other day, and I had the door open. Last Was it last night or night before? It was freezing cold outside. Upstairs, I try to keep the heat on for Shamar. Downstairs, I keep it ice cold. Now, I flip it when I go to bed. He's going to have to freeze out because I'm not going to bed in a hot house. So I flip it right when it's time to go to bed. It's cold up there, and then I turn the heat on right before he wakes up. It's right about noon. So then, <laughs> so then I turn the heat up for him so he don't have to get up in a cold house, okay, but it's, but it's cold, right? So we're all downstairs, it was me, Shamar, Gabby, Jewel, Taylor maybe, and the door is wide open. They was upstairs for a second, some of the people was downstairs, they come downstairs, it's freezing cold. Taylor still got her coat on, she didn't even take her coat off. Ooh. This is how cold it is in the living room. Me, on the other hand, sweating, bullets. I can say, feel the heat coming off of me. It's, and they're all like, <laughs> and I'm like, open the door wider. So hot, so hot. And they said, why are you so hot? Is your medicine? Nah, it's the Lord. There comes a point when I know that my spirit man is involved in something that I am, 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 am unaware of. I can sense it in my mind and in my heart, something that me and the Lord were just talking about. And before I could even think, my spirit man is already there. And I'm like, <laughs> anybody else hot? And I'm not running. I'm just sitting. I was just sitting still. Eventually, I cool off and it gets cool again. But the idea here is there's a whole new nature that will affect your body that you are completely unaware of because you only know how to affect your body with your own soul. You haven't even begun to explore how the spirit affects your body. How the power of God is so not containable that mere flesh cannot fully operate the way it wants to operate and is disrupted by his presence. 
You only know when your flesh is disrupted by you. I won't even think about that. Now I want that. You have no idea what it's like with the Spirit of the Lord to disrupt you, to get you all out of your norms. I'm one of those people that go to the hospital all the time, and they can't ever find nothing. My whole family, we get upset about it. Oh, she's got it. Oh, she's terrible. Oh, she's visible. Her heart rate, blood pressure, blah, blah, to get to the hospital. We don't know. It's pretty much like that all the time. We're going to look at the idea of intrinsicness of faith and this mortality that you're living in on next year. But for now, faith. So now our salvation rests not on our love for one another, Rest not on our honesty, rest not on our patience or our gentleness. It rests on faith, and it rests on faith because that's the only grace that can hold God's salvation honorably. Like every other grace uh, gives out, like you, you, it, it expels. Patience is something you do outwardly. Kindness is outwardly. Love is outwardly. Faith is the only one that you receive something in, right? And faith is the only one that says it removes and cuts away any of self in order to obtain salvation. It completely says there's no self in this. Every other grace you might feel that it was something you've done in order to earn this salvation. I loved people really hard. I tried to be really kind. I was very patient. I was a good listener. I tried to live holy. See, in every other grace, you would actually attach something that you've done in order to achieve salvation. Faith says you ain't done nothing and don't nobody need your help. It's the only one that can honor the true representation of who God is without getting you mixed in it. It's not because you're a good person. It's not because you, you, you fed that homeless person that one time. It's not because you was raised in a church. It's purely by faith. And you, you and I can have nothing to do with it. No effort, no earning, no certain personality type, no characteristic. It says there is something intrinsic that you cannot see, that you believe, and that belief begins to exude from you. That's good. We ain't even seen nothing like that before. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Faith is the only one that says he's God alone. Yeah. At the end of the day, and I'm skipping through the message just for time's sake. At the end of the day, uh, the Bible tells us that God manifested himself apart from the law. And that was through Christ Jesus. Yeah. The law showed God, but we, we didn't like that version too tough. We didn't. No, no. We got real confused. It was like, don't do, don't do, don't do. Do, 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 do. And they're like, I don't, I don't. This is, this is like prison. Rather than ex accepting the idea that everything he tells you not to do and everything he tells you to do is either for your safety or for your development. When you look at the law like that, then it's a gift and a blessing. But when you're young and immature, these things that you're telling me not to do and these things that you're telling me to do are somehow a hindrance. You're confining me to something. Like when Glenda said, I felt confined when you said we will have to do this every Saturday. I said, why? Because that should be freedom. 
being able to pray every Saturday is freeing since as a new creature, you want to pray anyway. It's just your old nature that tells you you're not supposed to like it. And you get to pray with other believers. Not all boring by yourself, but socially and, and in fellowship. And it's a whole environment and everybody's doing the same thing and everybody's all excited. What believer doesn't want that? Amen. Those that have not been regenerated. And even you say, but pastor, it's the getting up. It's the driving over there. It's the hassle, all the sacrifice to do it. And every believer says, that's awesome. It's going to cost me something. Ooh, ooh, I'm being persecuted for the Lord. <laughs> I get to offer something for him. This is so cool. I'm going to tell my job, I can't come to work. Mm. I have to pray. Come on now, Jesus. Come on now. <laughs> believers love that kind of stuff, especially lazy believers that have never given an opportunity to sacrifice anything for God only for themselves. Like everything you sacrifice is for your benefit in Jesus' name. Benefit for you and your family in Jesus' name. But it's the only thing that's just for him, not for you. I had to come to prayer. I got a flat, but I made it. All right now. Every people are like, yes. My job said, you walk out that door, I'm firing you. I said, bye. Mm. Yes. Now pray that I get a new job. This is how I was raised in the faith. Like opportunities of trials and tribulations when you're trying to do exactly what your spirit man is telling you to do for the name of the Lord is like candy manja manja who don't want this candy i was raised on that like persecution yeah flexing jesus muscles uh. and i couldn't understand why other people didn't like it because they were too busy struggling with themselves struggling to put on christianity struggling to be a christian to live right to do right struggle 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 Meanwhile, I'm wrestling against, not against flesh and blood. I'm over here. Yeah, let's get it. Oh, I just need to stop having sex. I just need to stop doing this. I'm like, oh, my God. You're living beneath your privilege. Faith is, faith is the only receiving grace. No other grace could be trusted to safely uphold the honor of justification. Protecting us from any pretension to partnership with him in justification. In essence, cutting the very fiber of self-exalting thoughts. To be saved by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ means you cannot say you did anything. It ain't because you went to church your whole life. It ain't because you, you know, I didn't, I didn't smoke that day. It's not even because you got a good heart. Yeah. Or you're a naturally good person. Or you just try to be kind to everybody. To be saved by faith means you had nothing to do with this. Amen. But recognize one thing. The power of faith in salvation is not the quality of your faith, but who your faith is in. <laughs> the power of your faith for salvation is not in the quality or quantity of your faith, like how good or how much of it you have, but who your faith is in is where the power of your salvation really rests. 
See, the word of faith movement and all this consumerism has made you think that it is the amount of faith that you have. If it's a mustard seed that you got to believe, 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 that that belief and the amount of it is what gets you saved. The power of faith unto salvation is not in the faith itself. It's in who you believe in. It's in the power of God. But this also means if your concept, excuse me, of who God is is wrong, then so is your weak faith. So this is the part where I was saying earlier, you don't know God and you don't want to know him. I can often tell people's view of God. I can often tell people's view of God based on how they treat themselves and treat others. 100%. People that are like, I just, if I was them, I would never do nothing like that. They have a very strong misunderstanding of who God is. People that can't forgive themselves and move on, strong misunderstanding of who God is. People that are just unforgiving, misunderstanding of who God is. You may have faith, but it ain't in my God. <laughs> Not my Lord. You got faith in some other God you done made up in your mind that better suits what you feel and think. A God that holds resentment. Why? Because you hold resentment. A God that holds anger. Why? Because you hold anger. A God that is petty. Why? Because you are petty. A God that is counting all your wrong. Why? Because you count all the wrong. When you know God for who he is, it's very easy for me to ex extend compassion. They'll be like, ow, oh, you shot me. First of all, you suck. Number two, ow. Number three, it'll be all right. That's my whole routine. In that order. In that order. I don't, I don't su submerge the fact or suppress the fact that it was painful or suppress the fact that you were wrong. Yeah. I deal with those. You're wrong. That sucks. How could you? But we're going to be all right. Yeah. How is that possible? Because that's the kind of God I serve. I know him to be a God that has done that to me a million times. So my faith in him naturally means that how I respond to you is out of the same way that I believe in him. But if I respond to you and go, I don't know, I can't fool up with you. I'm done with you. Then that's the way I think God is going to feel about me at some point. And this is problematic to your deliverance because you're going to mess up more than you want to. Hello? You're going to mess up more than you want to mess up. Y'all don't want to help me today. You're going to mess up more often than you want to mess up. You're going to mess up more and know better than you want to. You're going to know better for real, for real. Like for real, for real. And still mess up. So now the person that believes that God has a cutoff point for them is going to naturally sin more because they already feel that there's no hope. Now, faith is the substance of things hope. But what if the Bible was true? What if who God showed himself to be was accurate? That not only is he merciful, but his mercy lasts forever. That if he's merciful to you in one day, then he'll be merciful, merciful to you in every day. What if that was true? What if he could be so kind that he would come down, heal you, heal your eyes, heal your ears, say your sins are forgiven, 
and then at the end of it still die and give his life for you. Like it's one thing to heal me, to set me free, to do all this extra work, to come walking over here to my town, bringing your disciples, praying all for hours, and then you just going to die on a cross for even more effectual salvation? That's my Lord. That's my God. I don't know which one you believe in. Because your God is short-sighted and petty. A little unforgiving and unforgiving and slightly bitter. Because it don't make no sense to me. Amen? Amen? So faith's power is not in the idea of how much faith you have, but in who your faith is in. Yes? Let's look at Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by what? Faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be uh, just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Stop right there. So it's saying in former times, God was in the law and he used the law to kind of not punish you fully, right? To be like, thou shalt not just try to do this. Try to live like this. In any attempt you try to do this or live like this, I'll kind of look over it for a while. Yeah, so he, so he said, I'm just going to kind of cover that. Just cover it for a minute so that we can keep going. But since he's just he still has to show his righteousness. And as a righteous judge, he has to judge wrongdoing even though he wants to forbear you. Do you understand? Yeah. You know, okay, you know how you forbear your student loans? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You still got to pay them, right? Yeah. Okay, but you just, not right now, not right now, not right now. <laughs> and not right now, not right now, not right now. That's forbearance, yes? And they say by the time you get a real job, pay up. Huh? Judgment is due. Yes? That's what they say. All right. Well, the law was similar to that. He used the law to say, now we'll have some forbearance on your wrongdoing. All right? All right? But then he has to show himself righteous. So Christ comes as a sacrifice one time for all of sin. And God can judge all of sin through his son. So now those of us who were held in forbearance have debts paid. It's like the Senate say, now y'all don't have to pay y'all student loans no more. Oh my goodness. You forbear it. You ain't pay nothing. And then they tell you, and now we're going to wipe it clean. You know what? You know what? Just to kind of help you understand the concept. Because he still has to be a right God. And in order for you not to have to pay those student loans, it just, the people can't be like, don't pay them. They have to go through the court systems, the legal systems. There has to be some type of agreement come to with the companies. It has to be done rightly. Yeah. Make sense? So God has to prove himself as a righteous God. Yeah. 
So just ignoring people's wrongdoing is not righteousness. But showing that someone has paid the cost, hello somebody, that bore all the sin and said, look, you want blood for sin? Here is blood for sin. They're under my mercy and under my grace. Yeah? Breaking that law completely and setting us free. Yeah? Where was I? You don't know. Okay. <laughs> then verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. What shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Stop right there. So Paul is trying to explain that Christ dying on the cross as a living sacrifice, yes, not taking our place for sin, but as a sacrifice for sin. Does that make sense? Like a lamb is a sacrifice for sin. Okay. It's just the covering. Yes. He becomes the lamb that fulfills the law. That bloodshed is needed. Yes? I'm just trying to make sure you understand that because I know some of y'all got questions with the um, replacement theology. Okay, so that's a way to kind of, substitutionary. Okay, that's a way to kind of go around that. All right. So he's not taking our place on the cross. He is offering the sacrifice that the law demanded for sin. And since he is holy for all of our sins, that's a very good thing. Everybody's like, I have no idea what that's about. But amen. <laughs> Some people do. Amen? Okay. So God sent Christ, or Christ came down, one and one the same, and became a sacrifice for sin. Now, our faith in Him, our faith in the Father, now the definition of who God is is best seen as Christ. The law got it confusing. The law made it seem like, oh, he going to slay you. Oh, he going to give you a curse, you know, which is true and not true. Do you understand? Yes, but that's not his whole nature. Christ came and says, your God is extremely merciful. Your God is very compassionate and he wants you so bad, which makes sense because you and I both know how in the world am I going to be in trouble for something that started in me before I got here. And even though I did do my dirt, I was already in a setup. And God says, I never wanted that in the first place. That makes sense. Yes, you got caught up in the crossfires of, of the systems that I created. And yes, you're bearing sin and iniquity, but that was never my plan. That was your plan. And this is what I'm doing to fix it because I love you that much. So you don't have to bear the consequences of sin. That's your God. Not the one, I will smite thee. He's that too, but never wanted to be that to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
my dad is fierce. Please don't get it twisted. I've only seen my dad's temper a couple of times. And I'd be like, ooh, ooh. If you ever make my dad mad, you is the devil. You the devil. You the, the only one that can make him mad is not the devil, is my mom. But other than that, you is the devil. I always know that because my dad is a real patient and kind person. He's very kind. And so when somebody upset him, I'd be like, ooh, you got the Satan in you. And he goes from zero to a hundred. And I'd be like, oh, I'm so glad that's not for me. <laughs> he ain't nothing but, hey, baby, how you doing? You need something? I mean, the kindest, I've never seen his temper. I mean, one time he tried to spank me and it went terribly wrong. But, because <laughs> my mom kept telling him, you need to spank her. You got me being the bad guy. You need to be the bad guy. So he was like, I'll try it, I suppose, is how the story went. I wanted to go to the park. The park was right there. Daddy said no, because a lot of drug dealers down there. I'm like, but the park is right there. Daddy said no. And I sat on the stoop and I cried. He said, you out here crying? I'm like, yeah. He said, boop, and he kicked me in my butt. I was like, what? That's not how spankings work, Dad. <laughs> I was like, ooh. I was distraught. He was distraught from what I hear. He's like, I ain't never doing that again. I'm like, you ain't even do it right, Dad. Mommy use a belt or something. You gonna kick me in the butt. He was like, mm. <laughs> held my hand up. What? I don't. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. Should I smack you? I'll just kick you in the butt. <laughs> That's the one and only time, all right? And even that was hilarious. <laughs> but he was never that way towards me. Never, ever has my dad had to raise his voice at me, ever. Never has he had to hit me, never. He was always my saving grace, <laughs> right? That's how the father wants to be towards you. Satan is the one making you think because he wants to kick Satan's tail that he also wants to kick your tail. But he's provided Christ in order to show this is what I'm about. This is the real version of me. I go to the end of the earth for you. No matter what it is, I will be there for you for always and always and whatever it takes or whatever it costs. I'm trying to get somebody saved in here, man. That's his real self. Because the law got it a little confusing. Because of our immaturity, we did not consider the law a good thing. Right? It was a hindrance. Something we had to work around. Well, technically, he didn't say technically. Right? And then comes Christ Jesus. And now, we get to have a new creation. I mean, wait, 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 wait. First of all, you're going to tell me you're going to forgive my sins from now until eternity, right? Just wash them all clean. And then when I look at myself still sinning, even though your blood will cleanse it all, I don't like how I don't look like you. You tell me that you can make me new again so the things that you don't like, I really don't have to do anymore, and that's really what I don't want to do. Oh, my, I mean, how much love is that? When somebody forgives you of something wrong you've done, right? They're like, don't even worry about it. And then all of a sudden, you become the person that never wants to do that to them again. Like, like I never want to do that to you again. And he says, say less. Here comes my son, Jesus Christ, and now you don't ever have to do that to me again. 
It's one thing to say I'm sorry and be forgiven, but it still eats away at you that you can't stop doing the thing that is hurting the person that you think you love. Like, I just can't stop doing the thing. And I know I love you. At least I think I do. And why can't I stop doing the thing? And he says, you need to be regenerated. You need a new nature. By faith. Not by your mental capacity. Not by your will. Not by how good you walk the line. Not by how much you go to church. Not by how much you pray or sing. You need to know that when I save you, it's because you believe in who I really am. When you believe in who God really is and you see him, you are automatically regenerated because nobody could look upon that tree and not be regenerated. You can't, you can't look at him and be like, hmm. You're like, now all that's missing is the rest of the story. Because you know it's powerful. They died on the cross. But what is that saying about his relationship towards you? And if you know by faith that it says, I love you passionately, and I will go to the ends of the earth and beyond to make sure that you and I are never separated again. Because all I want is for us to be united. And to use all that communication I gave you to use that with me. Then I'm going to use all the communication I got to use that with you. And I want us to be simpatico. You understand? Like this. You want that? I do. I want it a lot. I want it, and then he shows it. And you know it's not for the masses. It's specifically for you. And he follows up with only things he could do in your life to let you know that it was for you. Because you can look at the cross, now this is true. When I first got saved, I looked at that cross and I said, thank God for your love. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But as my relationship with him grew, as you guys have bore witness to, I've got personal testimonies where the Lord says to me, I love you. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, my God. Ah! It started me like, oh, my God, I'm your biggest fan. I can't believe you even know my name. And then you start getting your own testimonies where God is just doing something specific. That only you and him know about. Boom, boom, boom. And you're like, oh, you really do love me. I mean, you love everybody too, but, but you really do love me. You really do. You knew how much this meant to me. You knew how important this was. You, you figured that out. You knew how that was stressing me out. You, you really do. You provided a family when I didn't have a family. You provided money when I had no place to go. You, you really do love me, specifically. And the way you supply my needs is in a way that's multi-purposeful. Have you ever seen God supply a need? It's not just one need. He supplies every other need you might think you have that you didn't even notice. I'm going to give you an apartment and a family. Really? Yeah. Somebody to go home to. Yeah. Just for fun. (laughs) Not for no lover stuff. Just (laughs) not for no gay stuff. Just, Just somebody to talk to. I'm going to give you a house and a dog. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you the best dog ever. Between Ebony and Roman, we on lock, okay? That's the best thing that ever happened to me. I look at him. Oh, I just can't explain. I'm a naturally happy person. And when he wakes up every single morning, just so happy, I be like, that's what I'm talking about, Roman. You better, you better be happy in the morning. He just walks around the house wagging his tail. Ain't nobody doing nothing. He's just playing with his toy, throwing it over there, running to catch it, wagging his tail. 
like, that blesses me so much. I'm like, I never thought that you'd give me something that I really needed, and that was some sense of joy on a consistent basis, reminding me in the midst of grief that there's joy to be found somewhere. And I look at him, I go, yes, you better be happy. And now my life's calling for him is to make sure he's happy. Like I'm a part of his happiness. I have to keep him happy because that's what he likes to be. So I'm like, you want to be happy? I'll keep you happy. Don't you pee on my floor and we good to go. And he don't, and we is good. You want to go for a walk? Let's go. You want to play with a toy? Let's play. I was working a sermon. I was like, leave me alone. I'm trying to write two sermons. <laughs> I was like, go play with somebody else. Go play with Jamar, Gabby, anybody. Why do you keep bringing a toy to me? <laughs> for like two hours straight. I even took her for a walk. Aren't you tired? Go to bed. <laughs> He's like, I feel the presence of the Lord. Mm-mm. <laughs> To this day, we still look at people he bark at like, mm-mm. That ain't right with your soul. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> let's go to uh, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Let's go there quickly. I've got to hurry. I'm out of time, so I'm about to speed through the rest. You there? Say amen. Amen. And <laughs> I sang it for you, Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. I said, I got to hurry. And he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. 17, 1 through 6. That hit y'all like, did the Bible say that? Yes. Temptations sin to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. That verse right there, delivered me from sexual immorality. Because I read that was like, it's a double woe for the person that actually brings it to somebody. You ain't gonna ever catch me bringing it to nobody. You wanna have, mm-mm, I ain't saying nothing. I don't want nothing, I ain't tempted you to do nothing, and ain't gonna, you ain't gonna sin through me. Mm-mm, cause it's a woe unto them. Oh, so this, this double bad. That was enough for me right there. Whatever desires you have, them on you. I am not going to be the one that you sin with. I ain't going to be the one trying to tempt you, to lure you in. Uh-uh. It's a woe unto me. Mm-mm. 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 Woes be found in the book of Revelation. <laughs> woe to the inhabitants. Woe. Uh-uh. 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 No, I don't want none of them woes. <laughs> Then he goes on to say, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, he were cast into the sea, that he should cause one of the little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves, exclamation point, whoa. See, one verse is always about kids. This verse didn't really say it's about kids too tough. It's just like, don't be causing people to sin. It's better that you drown in the sea. Better that I drown in the sea it's better that you burn with your own passions unbearably before you actually cause someone else to sin. That's why when there's demonic forces and, and y'all little weird relationships, I'm like, that demon gonna stay around as long as it's working. Why? Because you are willing to make somebody else sin. 
And as long as you're willing, that demon is going to stay there. It's a double woe. It's not just your desires. It's amplified by Satan because he can get two for the price of one. He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must what? Forgive him. So woe to me if I cause you to sin. But if my brother offends me and he sins in his offense to me, I'm supposed to forgive him when he say sorry. It didn't say when he make it right. It didn't say when you can truly see his sincerity. It says that when he asks, you say, okay, and you forgive. Right? Even if he does it seven times in one day, you got to turn and say, okay, I forgive you. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our what? Faith. It is faith that will enable you to conquer the unmercifulness of your heart. It is faith that will allow you to conquer the unmercifulness. Your heart, some of your hearts is so unmerciful. Anytime somebody don't do something the way you think they should do it, and they got a habit of, not do, of doing it that way, you'd be like, no, I'm done with them. They can't ever crawl from under your opinion. That's terrible. Who are you? And why is your opinion so paramount that somebody has to be under your opinion? I'm their pastor, and they ain't even got to be under my opinion. <laughs> Who is you? It's like God, their spouses or whatever, them pastor. You ain't even up in the top three. It's faith that will free you from that unmercifulness. Because when you know truly, not the power of your faith in of itself, but who you believe in, a very merciful God, then faith in that, in him, allows you to be exceedingly, what? Merciful. merciful. Why are you still counting wrongdoing? Because that's what you think God is doing with you? Because you save based off of how much wrong and how much right you do? That's not, we just said you saved by faith. That's why you saved up here and not through regeneration. Because you don't want to acknowledge that you cannot earn this. And you cannot keep this. And you cannot make this. You cannot make yourself saved. You cannot will yourself saved. You cannot desire yourself saved. It has to be a gift that he offers to you. And you have to receive it just as he offered it. The way he shows himself to be. That's good, Pastor. And then you are changed. So faith is needed to forgive with your bitter selves. I know I'm talking to somebody in here, a couple of people. You just got to let it go. I, I, the same people do the same mistakes over and over and over again in this house. Same, same. But each day they repent, I'll be like, all right, let's try it again. This might be the one. <laughs> let's try it again. This, that was the last one. That was it right there. This the, is the one. This the one. Why? Because a merciful God did the same thing for me, and one of them ones was the one. If you don't recognize that in God as he extends it to you, then you're not going to extend it to anybody else. 
So now everybody got to be cut off if they do too many suspect lifts. <laughs> now you got to guard your heart from people that you think are going to hurt you. Who can hurt me? As a child of God, who, not even Satan, can truly hurt me as a child of God? They're all surface wounds. So if Satan can only give me surface wounds, then why do I need to protect myself against people? Anytime I get a cut from one of y'all, I just go right to the Lord. <laughs> I'm fine. And I know I can do that. I've done it so many times that I know I can do that. He forgives me. He heals me of that pain. Now that I know that I'm healed and it doesn't hurt because I've been a sinner too and I've made mistakes too. So now that that doesn't hurt anymore, I literally treat you the same because it doesn't hurt. Rather than feeling like I got to withhold treating you appropriately and proper and so you won't do it no more. I can't stop you from doing nothing, you little control freak. Withholding your niceness or your kindness or your money is not going to be able to stop that person from treating you however they want to treat you. That's true. You're just a Jezebel. It's not. The only thing you can do is be kind because the Father was kind to you. It's to be merciful. Yes, they're going to do something that hurts you, but you'll be all right. I had to tell pastors all the time. You're like a sponge. You absorb all the pain, you squeeze it out at the altar, and you come back brand new. That's, it. Yeah, yeah. That's your job. And it's easy because I know the balm of Gilead. I know the healer. Yeah. If I know the healer, then I'm not afraid to go to war. Because people out here struggling. And they need the joy, the laughter, the compassion that you could bring, but you're going to shut it up because you don't like how they treated you. And the Lord didn't do that with you. He did not do that with you. And if you think you're protecting yourself, you're not. You're turning yourself into someone you really don't want to be. You really are. What can man do to me? <laughs> if Christ be before me, who? Oh. Okay, I don't know why it was important, but y'all so scary. <laughs> like you're emotionally scary. Like you ain't never met a healer of your heart. Or maybe just stingy. You got to hoard the healing for yourself. Oh, I got healed, so I'm going to hoard it all. Don't you come over here messing up my healing. Would you come over here messing up my good energy? We're called to suffer in hopes that somebody else might see the Christ. But they're just surface wounds. Why? Because prayerfully your faith was not affected. Let's, let's, let's look at that. Faith uncovers sin <laughs> in the conscience. Faith uncovers sin in the conscience. So far we've covered that faith is the only grace that can actually honor justification and salvation. We've covered that faith is needed in order to truly forgive and not walk in bitterness. 
We've covered that faith is not about how much or the quality or quantity, but who your faith is in. And if that is wrong, then your faith is weak. Right. And now we're looking at how faith uncovers sin in the conscience. Your faith will show you what you want to do in sin all the time. All the time. All the time. I'm allowing this application. Faith in God be like, you know that's a sin. I'm going to just call like this. I'm going to do it like this. Faith say, you know that's a sin. It just uncovers it. When you know who God is, it shows the consciousness of your sin. Like you can't get away from it. If you believe that he is he, and you, do, you see you, you be like, mm-hmm, I am very much so aware of my sin. You can't even go around that bad boy. It is very much so there. Hello? Thoughts soon arise like clouds and thicken into a storm until they fill the soul with heavy black horror and trembling for sin. But at this point, the person is at a loss and cannot go any further into repentance until faith sends in more support from the promise of pardon. What Garnell is trying to say, he says, faith will show you sin. And it'll cause you to come, it'll, it'll come in rushing like a storm and clouds and everything is dark. You know how it is. Yeah. You want to, I really want to sleep with this person. I'll just put it bottom shelf, right? <laughs> and my faith says, I need to trust in the Lord, not that. And that one awareness then tells me thick clouds start coming in. Well, I don't even like my life. I ain't even got no money. I ain't, I'm out here doing this by myself. Ain't nobody trying to help me. I always had to struggle my whole life. Ain't never had nobody with me. This storm, this thick cloud just starts showing up. And it gets so bad that you are trembling, reaching for sin. Out of fear of what's lurking in this storm cloud that you developed because of your desire for sin. And faith made you very aware. Now, once you fall into this sin, right, you're stuck. You can't go past I'm sorry. What's past I'm sorry when it comes to repentance? You got to turn away and do it. Do, don't go that way. Go the other way. You be at I'm sorry and be stuck. The author is saying the reason why you're stuck and can't go any further in repentance, which is to completely change your actions, is because of your lack of faith. Like faith has to come in and undergird that turning. So you'll go, God, I'm sorry. And you're supposed to turn. But you're not going to be able to turn Unless faith undergirds, I'm sorry, and I know I don't need that. All I need is you in this area. I'm sorry, and I know that you're my keeper. I'm sorry, and I know that you're my provider. I'm sorry, and I know that you're my peace. Faith comes in and pushes you further into that repentance. Without faith, you can go no further than saying, I'm sorry. You ain't got a problem with sin and flesh. You got a problem with faith. There's something you don't believe about our good God. Not my Lord. That's why I be looking at you like you're an alien. Like, what is wrong with you? 
My God is amazing. I mean, he good and all, but it's just sometimes. Spanish, 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 Spanish. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. You can't go any further into repentance until faith sends in more support from the promise of pardon. Faith says, but he'll forgive you. Why would he forgive you? Because he loves you and he's merciful. He's not going to leave you out here to dry. Faith pushes that repentance fully. Without it, you're stuck. Just saying, I'm sorry. And then you move on to, well, I ain't going to say I'm sorry because I don't really want to change. So until my heart really does agree with it, I ain't going to say it. Now you're just drifting further and further into sin. Now you're just getting rebellious. You know what I mean? Just listen to just, it was not making your situation any easier. You got, some of y'all got kids. If your kids lied when you said clean your room, they said they did and they didn't clean it. Hello? And then they didn't clean it, they lied. Then they came to you and told you the truth but still didn't clean the room. Are they done? No. No. They got to go clean the room. Uh, duh. You have to keep going with that thing. Right? Not just, I'm sorry. So if your kid come to you, well, I just said I lied, so I wouldn't have to do that. But I wasn't even going to say I lied because I don't really want to clean my room. So why even tell you I'm sorry for that? If your kid told you, why even tell you I'm sorry? When I really don't feel it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand how, how y'all be talking to God and saying, be making you think this is, this is legit. Right? Right? Yeah. Why well, tell you I'm sorry when I'm really not fully feeling that way? What would you do to your child? You would discipline the snot out of them. Because you know one thing that they don't know. They should feel bad. And since they don't feel bad, they need to feel bad about this before they grow up not feeling bad about things that they should feel about and be terrible people. Yeah. Grow up to be a doggone Jeffrey Dahmer or something. You know, I'll feel fine. You just killed 15 million people. I feel fine. Where's your sense of empathy? And why do you think that your feelings are the only feelings that matter? So I don't get an apology because you don't feel that you really are sorry. But my feelings. You would discipline that child because they need to know that their feelings are not the only feelings that matter and that they should feel bad for this. Because if you let them grow up not feeling bad about stuff that is wrong, they're going to go to jail. They're going to have a justification for every doggone thing they do that's wrong. And some of them teenagers, they already got it. Well, I didn't do it because I didn't feel like it. What? Somebody should have put your foot in your butt. You do it because I said so. Because the part of you that's supposed to grow into doing it when you don't feel it needs to be there. Because as a parent, you got to do all kinds of stuff you don't feel like. And you got to raise your child to do things that I don't feel like doing. It's a part of maturity. But now we got a whole bunch of adult babies. I don't really feel it, so I'm not going to say it. Now you're just wrong and double wrong. Yeah. Wrong, selfish, wrong, narcissist. Just oh, wrong. <laughs> you're wrong in so many ways. It's not just that you're sinning. Now you have terrible character. Jesus. I mean, like, if it wasn't for the Lord, I would never fool up with nobody like that. I just would 
like some kind of psychopath where everything is about you even when it's not. And your pain is the only pain that is seen. And somehow you think that you live on an island and everything wrong you do only affects you and nobody else. Like you didn't go to bed on time, so now you wake up agitated and frustrated, and you're running late, but I'm the only one. You're, I'm not affected by that, right? But oh, you're the only one. Oh, so you mad today. Why, because you didn't get enough sleep? And so now we all gotta deal with your attitude, because you didn't get enough sleep. And don't even offer an apology. You think it's okay to have this terrible attitude because you didn't get enough sleep. And it's reasonable, and everybody else is supposed to take it. See, it's adults that live like this. When I'm late and I got a bad attitude, I say, I'm so sorry, guys. I recognize it's on me. I be streaming down the highway. Oh, let me slow down. I want to blow at somebody. Pastor, you should blow at them. It ain't their fault. I'm late. I have to remind myself. You should blow your horn at them. It's not their fault. I'm late. This agitation is completely on me. You know that as an adult. You just don't want to live like an adult. You want to live like a child. Why can't you adjust your attitude for people you love? Or the people you love are only supposed to adjust for you. If you love me, you'll adjust for me. If you love me, you'll see that I'm doing down bad. If you love me, then you wouldn't put this extra pressure on me right now. If you love me, then you ask me how I'm doing. You're so selfish that even when somebody is trying to help with a problem that you say they do wrong, you can't even see it. Let's go to counseling with pastor. Let's go do this. Let's, you can't even see it. Why? Because just like God, you want to make sure you hold them at a negative standard to justify you not changing. Because if you have to recognize that they're changing, then that means you have to change. So you won't let them change, so you don't have to change. That's just in-house to the podcast listeners that may not even be for you. I live around a lot of people all the time. I got to go. I live around a lot of people all the time, all the time. All the time, people is around everywhere all the time. How, how often is my disposition angry or mean? Shamar? Hmm? Never for you. How is this possible? How could you live with somebody and never have an angry disposition? We'll know, you don't know how we do it. We just, be, we just be rocking it out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> how? Because I respect him. Amen. I respect him. That what I got going on in my life is mine. And he should not have to carry that at all. So if he decides to come soothe my pain, it's a blessing, not a necessity and not a right. He'll come and say, here, cuz, give me a hug. I'm like, thank you. Because even though I wasn't acting out, he could see it. And that's all you really want. But I ain't got to treat you terrible in order for you to see it. I have to use control because my issue should not become your issue, and I'm not going to let it because I love you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see you have a bad day. 
That's why I used to love wake my dad would wake me up. Get up, baby. I record his voice to wake me up. Mommy, wake up. Get up. I ain't going to tell you no more. Get out of this bed. <laughs> my whole day will be shot. <sighs> you about to make, make me late. What? What? <laughs> Kids are drunk when they wake up. Come on, cut me some slack. Mm -mm. Get up. But I learned in a household with real family that loved one another how important it is to try not to mess up somebody else's day. I learned that. It's important. If my mom liked the bathroom clean, what am I going to do? It's just important not to try to mess up nobody else's day because you don't like when your day is messed up. Oh, but not the narcissist. Oh, not, oh, no, everybody doing something to you. Trying to raise new kids, apparently. <laughs> Try it. Try being the joy in the house. Try being the calm one. Try being the merciful one. Try not to have everybody cater to your mood but you cater to theirs. Just try it. You'll find out that with faith in God, you can actually be that. That's the only way I'm not walking around. I got a lot of stress. You don't go in my house and be like, ooh, it's, it's angry in here. I just be quietly steaming on the inside. Cause you want some tea? Thank you. Yes, I do. Right? And that way it's a blessing and not an entitlement. Out of respect. Yes? Out of respect. All right. I don't have time for that. Let's go on. I, I, I'm about to, I'm out of time. Last scripture, and I'm going to try to run through it all. <laughs> that was not what I was supposed to be preaching on. Quit waiting for somebody else to change your living environment. You change it. You change it. Quit waiting on them to fix the atmosphere. You fix it. You. Let's see how much Holy Ghost you really have. Because it takes a lot of Holy Ghost to keep a household with different people peaceful. That's why elders are judged according to their household before they're ordained. How is your house? What do your children say of you? What goes on? Right. Not do you know the theology. Genesis 4. When you're there, say amen. <laughs> Genesis 4. Thank you. Skip down to verse 4. Uh, verse 2. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of, of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? 
If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. This is the one we're going to talk about. Go to Hebrews 11, verse 4. Keep your place at Genesis. Hebrews 11, verse 4. When you're there, say amen. Did somebody say amen? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Somebody say it. Hebrews 11. I'm going to stop saying I'm just going to go whether you're there or not. Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteousness, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Stop right there. For years, we tried to figure out what was wrong with Cain's offering. Hebrews 11.4 tells you what was right with Abel's and what wasn't right with Cain's. What was right with Abel's is that he offered it by what? Faith. He offered it by faith. He offered it by faith. Not, I believe this is what God wants. Because it's not how much you believe, but it's who you believe him to be. Y'all don't want to help me. Y'all don't want to help me. Abel offered his sacrifice knowing the type of God God was. Cain offered his sacrifice and didn't have the same concept of who God was. So he offered it without any faith. Abel offered his with faith. Cain did not. Now you think, why would Cain offer a sacrifice without any faith? You do it every single Sunday. Every Sunday, some of y'all come in here and y'all be like, hallelujah, hallelujah. But I don't really think God's like that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But he still be trying to petty. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But he still be angry. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How? Because sin is still in your life, which means you haven't been regenerated, which means you weren't saved by faith, which means everything you're offering in here is not by faith. Because you can't believe who he really is because it would require you to change. So he can't be ultra loving and ultra forgiving. No, he, even he got a cutoff point. So now you're looking for every part of the scripture where there was a curse and every part of the scripture where there was some kind of famine and every part of the scripture there was a consequence. You're looking for everything mean he's ever done so that you can justify why he is being mean to you and the entire story is based off of him not being mean to you but being nothing but merciful and mean to your enemies. The entire story is about that. The enormous and unfathomable amount of mercy he has for you. And the only thing you're looking for is when he didn't show mercy to his enemies, you're sick. Your selfishness has made you sick. The whole story is of love and mercy and compassion for his creation that sinned. And I started a whole cycle of sin. But I'm going to forbear it, and then I'm going to wipe it away. How am I going to do it? With myself and my own pain to show them that I love them. I'm going to give everything that they have. I'm going to give it. So they'll know, really, how much I love them. 
The only thing you were looking for is when there were soul ties and, and when there was famine and, and consequences and, and how mean God is and, and how many times. And, you know, not my Lord. He's like that to my enemies. He's like that to my enemies. Y'all don't want to help me. His fury is like that to my enemies. But for me, his mercy endureth. Now you can't be good enough to get it. You just have to accept it. You just have to accept it. And that's the problem. You don't like to accept anything you didn't work for. Which is how you got in this problem in the first place. Some of y'all be having outright needs. But you feel it's embarrassing to ask for anything you didn't work for. Do you think you're going to be able to work your entire life? Somebody, if you live long enough, is going to have to wipe your butt. You super grown now and turned into a baby. Where your maturity at now? Where your strength at? Where's your ability now? Humble yourself. You was not all of that. You cannot control everything. You can control nothing. You can't even control yourself. Receive his mercy. You have nothing else. The problem with Cain's sacrifice, he didn't offer it with faith. But in Hebrews, but there's something in this that I want you to see. Go back to Genesis. <laughs> Verse 5, but for Cain and his offering, chapter 4, God had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why you got this sad look on your face? Like you got an attitude with something. If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, period. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. That last part. Sin, this is what I love about God. This is something Satan ain't going to tell you, okay? This is, this is what I love about God, okay? God will tell you to your face the biggest blessing you ever heard but you can miss it if you don't know who he is. Yeah. He tells Cain, sin is crouching at your door. What it wants goes against everything that you are. <laughs> he gonna tell you to your face that this sin that wants you it wants everything that you're not about, and I know it. Meanwhile, Satan telling you that since you want the sin, then this is who you are. And it's just that you want this, and this is what you're about. And, and then Paul says, but your sin is in the flesh. So now God says, what sin wants is completely contrary to the type of being I've made you to be. I know it, and you know it. So just making a mistake... Not doing something perfectly right is not the same as sinning. Sit down. Let me show you. Let me show you. See, there's a crowding of that dark storm cloud that comes. This is how the crowding starts. You do something that isn't acceptable. You can do all kinds of stuff. 
You can eat by faith or not eat by faith. You can brush your teeth by faith or not brush your teeth by faith. I take my medicine by faith. Some of y'all take your medicine without faith. You can do things with faith and without faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you want to please God with your entire life, then everything you do is with an awareness and belief in who he really is. Why am I taking this medicine? Because the Lord is a healer. And I believe he wants me healed. And this is maybe this is what I need to take in order to, to apply my faith to this. But he don't need this pill no more than I need this pill. It's him. That's who he is. That's it. Same faith. Everything you do by faith. Everything. So you can do things like clap your hands and worship with no faith in who he really is. And it's not acceptable. And you're sitting over here hearing the same word with a mully grew up face. Everybody else feeling enlightened and lifted and hallelujah. You over here like. I don't be understand what everybody be feeling. <laughs> I know. Because you're not listening by faith. You're not believing that God wants to say something to you today that will change the rest of your year. That will cause you to be more of who you really desire to be in a way that you cannot help him with. He's going to do it all by himself. You just have to sit back and receive it. You don't want to believe that. You be like, no, I got to help him do it. That's that, that, that the worst thing you could do. <laughs> it's the worst thing you could do. So now Cain didn't offer it with faith. And sin is at his door. What? So the, the, the problem... Was he offered a sacrifice without faith? Without knowing who really he was offering it to? You know, how you like, I'm going to go to church, but I know God ain't pleased with me. Where's your faith? I'm going to go to church, but I know I ain't do that right. Where's your faith? You come in and doing the same stuff everybody else is doing, but not knowing who God really is. So now you're doing it, and it can't be accepted because... It doesn't have faith in it. You have no faith in this. You got a faith in a false God that you made up, not my Lord. Not my merciful, kind, and just Lord. You got faith in a God that lets you struggle with depression with no desire to heal you. Not my Lord. Not my Lord. That's not how he works. There's got to be a reason. Is he teaching you something, showing you something? Then do what he taught you and be free. He's not going to watch his baby suffer for no apparent reason. He don't even let you suffer when it's something you did. He wants to come in and save you from the suffering of your own mistakes. And the only little bit he lets you carry is just enough to train you to do better. Like a real parent would. If my kid didn't go to school for the finals, right, and they missed these finals, and they ain't go to school. Big mistake, they cut or whatever, right? And I find out I'm furious because not taking the finals means you'd have messed up your college chances, hypothetically, okay? You messed up your college chances. As a parent, I am not gonna sit by and let that one mistake 
destroy their entire life. As a parent, I'm going to fuss at you, go to this school, beg the teacher for another opportunity for you on your behalf, tell you, take this test while I'm fussing at you and you can't go nowhere this summer. I will give you a consequence that is going to better train you with responsibility, but I'm not going to let you suffer and destroy your entire life. That's not the, not, not my Lord. And Satan make you think that you got some kind of choice you can make to destroy your whole life. What can separate me from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing. He's lying. That is not my Lord. You need to offer things with God with faith. So you offer something with no faith. It's an aspect of God you didn't understand or recognize or you weren't ready for. Now, this is the thing. What does God do next? We don't take the sacrifice. What does God do next in the scripture? He says. He says. Y'all don't. You offered a sacrifice without any understanding of who I really am. What does God do? Come towards you and begins to talk to you. Y'all don't want to help me. He begins to talk to you. You come to church, he preaches a word to your heart. You come to hear a sermon for your soul. He comes down with what you don't understand. And he says, let me talk to your heart for just a second. how loving this is you offer something with no regard for who he really is and rather than stepping back and like well fall back you know what I'm saying he comes even closer well come on let's talk about this you ain't got to be this sad you ain't got to be like this come on you know how it goes you got to know you got to give me something like you know me let me show you and he's literally showing you his compassion right in front you are sitting in a service that you should not be in this year he is literally showing you his compassion I How's a God that big come and reason with a human being? He gives Abel, Cain, one of the speeches I give to y'all. Like we're just trying to reason together. Well, come on, man. Spin up, man. Don't, don't look like that. Come on, you know how God, you know if you do this, then you know. This big God, after you act like you don't know him, decides to come down and reason with you. Every time you walk out this door, you know that God came to reason with you about some aspect of who he is that you don't quite have together. But when you walk out, what's out there? Crouching. Sin. He says sin wants you. He wants you in your lack of understanding of who I am. And it's giving up feeling you have. Like, I can't ever get it right. Whatever. Somebody else is always going to get it. I guess I was never chosen to be the right son in the first place. Because I was never picked to be saved. Because I was never picked to be a Christian. Maybe that's never going to be me. And all this happened because you didn't do something knowing who God is. And he knows it. 
And rather than condemn you for it, he comes to reason with you and say, now what we're not going to do is give in to sin. You're going to have to rule over that. What he's really saying is, hold all of those feelings in for just a second. Deal with them. I'm trying to show you something. But if you walk out that door in sin, you're going to be overtaken. Don't be overtaken. Yeah. Stay here. What if Cain would have just stayed there? What if he just stayed right there and said, well, what I don't understand? Well, exactly what part of my offering wasn't right? What, 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 did I lack? what did my faith lack? What I don't understand about you? How did I get it wrong? What if he would just would have stayed in the presence of God? I don't think he would have struggled with sin when he walked out that door. But he had to recognize God's mercy in speaking to him. Like there's the mercy. Because everything God created, he created with his words. So he's saying something to you. And by faith, you can receive what he's saying. And it regenerates your heart and mind. But if you walk out going, man, pastor always coming for me. I know she was talking about me. I'd be like. Completely missed that this was God trying to talk to you. Because if he came down in the cloud, you'd have a heart attack and die. Kayla, what are you doing? Now you had a heart attack and you can hell, you know, you didn't get a chance to get it right. <laughs> so he puts it in physical form. And somebody you think you can relate to that shows love and kindness, that you feel like you can trust that it's not a lie or hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And he lets that person say it. Mm-hmm. And it's still not soft enough. It's still not kind enough. Somehow it's just, that's that dark cloud coming in. I mean, she ain't got to say it like that. She ain't got to call me out. That's that dark cloud. I know she was looking at me directly. That's that. And he's just, it's just coming in. And you're trembling. You're going to have to sin in a minute. God tells Abel, God tells Cain, Sin's desire is completely opposite of who you really are. This is the biggest compliment, the biggest affirmation God could ever give you. When I tell people, that is not you, that's the devil. This is the biggest affirmation I could ever give you. Because I'll say, I know you. That's the devil. But I know your heart. And Satan comes in and you listen to him and convince you, well, maybe that ain't my heart. Maybe I was always going to be a loser. Maybe I wasn't. Where is your faith? And who is your faith in? Woo. Cain did something that was not acceptable. It wasn't regarded as a holy action, but it wasn't sin. It could be filed as iniquity, but not sin. Sin was at the door. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Sin is at the door. And if you stay in the presence of God long enough, temptation ain't even temptation no more. 
it's exposed for what it really is. And you're like, nah, I, I, I don't even want that. Yeah. Right? But when we do things that are not acceptable, how many times did God tell you to be in service and you weren't? Tell you to go to prayer and you didn't? Should you wake up and pray for somebody you didn't, call somebody you didn't? Read something you didn't, made an excuse? I'm not, I'm not telling you that these are sins. I'm saying you can feel when you're not living according to faith in the direction God wants you to go. And that action alone is enough to have sin crouching at your door. But it is not enough to make you sin. Feeling like you're not doing right or doing well in God is disheartening. And it will have sin at your door, but it's not enough to make you sin. He says, I desire that you should overtake it. You rule over it. He get out of here. Get out of here. Shoot. Leave. Anybody fooling up with you? Got enough problems as it is. My offering wasn't even accepted. Don't <laughs> worry about that. No, you feel uncomfortable when the preached word is going forth and rather than try to go to God and talk to him like, why did that bother me so much? And why was I in such a tizzy? <laughs> you should be able to say, why did that bother me so much? And sin, man, get out of here. I ain't got time for that. I'm trying to figure out what the world was going on with me in service. But instead you go, what was going on with me? I don't know. Come on, sin, let's get it. It's more, it added more problems. He provides for y'all a true way of escape every single time. And you get so disappointed that you actually wanted to do the thing that you end up sinning just because you wanted to do it and not overtaking that sin. Luke 22. You there? Say amen. Verse 31. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Stop right there. Does this sound familiar? Is there some evil force lurking around trying to overtake someone? Hmm, this is a very interesting scenario. Simon was an apostle. Something ain't lining up. It ain't quite sin, but something is going on in Simon that ain't bang up. And Satan knows it. And now Satan is saying, He's mine. Ain't no way that man could have that going on in his heart and not sin and come over here with me. He said, desire to sift you like we, like, beat you up, beat you up, beat you up, see? Shaft. Shaft. He's trying to prove that there's, there's no seed of God in you. Just, just shaft blowing in the wind. He's going to beat you, beat you, beat you to prove that there's no seed of God in you. That's what he's doing. That's what it means to sift you like wheat, to beat you so, up, so much with temptation and guilt and not living up to it. So that now, he says, see, there's no seed of God. He says, eh, him, him, Simon, the zealous one, him, the one I used earlier and says, far be it for my Lord to be crucified, him. Remember you had to tell, tell me to get behind you? Yeah, I was in him. You know it. You know it. He's mine. Ain't no way he's going to make it to heaven with that. 
he belongs to me and I'm gonna prove it to you. That's happening. Same thing that happened with Cain, right? God, Jesus Christ does the exact same thing and gives this man the biggest compliment. You ready? Read the next couple of lines. It says that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your will, that your love, that your compassion, that your strength, that your faith faileth not. Out of all the things God could have prayed, but I prayed that you'll be able to stand up. But I prayed that you that you'll be able to resist sin and temptation. That seemed like a good prayer. I prayed that you'll be able to resist Satan. Uh-uh. He says, I prayed that no matter what he brings to you, no matter how many times he beats you, no matter how much he sifts you, that when you get done getting beaten and broken, there is still a seed of faith that remains that through all of his pain, you'll know who I am. Standing all over the house. 